0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Bald Move Television Podcast, we're an officially unofficial podcast for all of television. Today, we are finishing the deuce uh, with the, fi- the, the season finale, series finale, episode 308, entitled, appropriately enough, Finish It. Mm. I'm your host, Dayron. I'm Jim. Almost forgot that little bit of uh, housekeeping. Uh, okay. Only, we've
1: only done, what, 29 of these episodes things? of the show or so, yeah. 28 episodes. Yeah,
0: God knows how many hundreds of episodes of Bald Move Television. Jim. Boy, I I have a lot of feelings about this show. What did you think of the wrap up? Uh, it was great. It
1: was great as I expected it to be. Uh, I guess it, it was it was a, a little different than I expected to. Um, you know, we do get a lot of finality here, but also I guess it didn't give us the focuses toward the end that I expected. I, I thought Eileen would be a bigger part of the the whole wrap. Of the thing and she essentially gets a a, a small mention and a small moment um, oh bit for her movie yeah. yeah and I was a little bit surprised by that but yeah. I guess Vincent has always been the main character even if maybe this last season I was feeling more like Eileen was
0: yeah I guess cuz yeah there's a couple places I thought we'd get a little bit more Paul um, but mm-hmm they've got they 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 had so much like what do you do with paul after he has the phone call with his dad you kind of show like it like can you know paul is essentially collateral in gene's one man army against the uh nightlife of the uh unsavory nightlife of new york city um and there's a lot of there's a lot of vince and there's a lot of kind of like uh closure with his, his plot line and uh but but i i the thing that really blew me away was the last you know 15 minutes of this where it's old man vince walking through the streets of the of of, of times square and it's completely on 2019 streets 2019 yeah. and it's completely unrecognizable and sterile and corporate and mm-hmm. you know not no real people quote unquote live there <laughs> and i i can't even fully explain why um but I was really emotionally affected by that. Like, I got really weepy <laughs> watching it last night. But I was really drunk and kind of uh, feeling uh, sentimental and maudlin. Okay. And so then this morning in the office, uh, you know, I'm here in the fluorescent lights and I'm taking my notes with my, my watching it on my monitor. And it started hitting me again. I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> Don't I- you know you're supposed to save all that for December? I guess so. I I don't know why cuz I guess I never I I thought I I thought I intellectually admired this show more than I really truly loved it. Um, mm. you know, like I just how well constructed it is and the things I think it's saying, that are important, but are nevertheless told in a very engaging, entertaining way. But holy shit, I really um I think this last season really uh stacked on so much meaning to these relationships that just seeing Vince go back and you know the good times and the bad, and what they were doing yeah. with like Laurie, you know, standing there next to Cece, mm-hmm. and you know what they do when he sees like uh, uh, who's that guy that killed his brother? Um, uh, shit, I don't Eliphons, remember his name, but yeah, the guy Calliope, he killed. Gesteppo, uh-huh. uh killed. something like that. Uh, uh, Pasquale, Pasquale, uh, Pasquale, yeah. Uh, it, it just there's just so many just like real beats, and then um. Especially the first time, I guess I should have been expecting Frankie to be at the end. But then when he did, it's like I just fucking couldn't handle it. I I like like yeah, it's a moment. Yeah, Mike, big. You look like shit. Yeah, yeah, and (laughs) I, 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 yeah, I love this show. I think it's really great, and it's a shame it's ending. But it had to. Yeah, Uh, and they walk down into
1: the subway, and you kind of feel like that's them fading off into history, uh,
0: with and New York moving on. And you ask yourself, what does it like like I'm I'm kinda I go back and forth like uh Detective Alston, you know, like is New York City for the better? I don't fucking know. Yeah. Um like what he also says in that scene is absolutely true that people pump in a dollar and they get ten or a hundred or a thousand back, but the people that make the place great and to the work their real jobs, they don't ever see any of that. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah. Yeah, uh, is
1: Times Square better off now? Like you said, I don't fucking know. It
0: makes a shitload more money. Yeah. But so what? <laughs> yeah. It's 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 safe for families. I don't I don't know if every part mm-hmm. of place in every part of the world needs to be. And and you know, this the show does such a great job of showing all the bad parts. It's like it's I mean, it romanticizes that old Times Square without, you know. Covering over the the things that were terrible and the reasons why people Mm -hmm. wanted to change New York for the better in the first place. And I think that if I don't think anyone would have a problem if New York was changed for the better or they cleaned up Times Square and then diverted all of the money, all the money that's pouring in there into like social safety nets. Yeah, yeah. uh, helping out, you know, uh, some of the under deserving people in this or, or underserved people populations in the city but we know that the vast majority of the money that gets generated in that just goes right back to the top and yeah
1: the, the and private too like big fat private pockets yeah is where that's going
0: yeah and it's 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 public grease that got all those mm-hmm. projects gone and all that all that you know all that hard work that detective alston did to clean up the streets in new york just goes to benefit these uh these these fat cats yeah who so,
1: probably move on
0: to the next patch of
1: rough road and remodel that
0: yeah do
1: it all over again
0: And, you know, it's like, um, it's funny because, like, this is all stuff that Simon has said. Like, if you've seen Show Me Hero, these same themes come out. If you've seen uh, uh, The Wire, obviously, these same themes of, you know, public corruption um, and uh, well-meaning politicians not being able to get things done. And I, I don't. I wonder because like there's a lot there's a fantastic series of interviews with uh, Alan Seppenwall between him and David Simon where they talk about, um, you know, the core themes of this. And it seems like Simon is one that like really believes in unions, uh, really believes in, in holding public officials ac- accountable. But he never I feel like there's never like a prescription probably because there isn't really one uh like
1: prescription but like Like what what to do about
0: yeah what uh given that all these bad things have happened to society and we can't really go back like what is the best way forward Mm. um but i don't know because there's still a lot of people i think in denial about uh lots of things i mean the fact that the drug war is still a thing is you know 20 years out from the wire is kind of crazy to me sure but uh It's like uh, you know, if uh, we we hunted the whales after extinction, or to extinction after seeing Star Trek Mm Four, like what what the fuck, you know? (laughs) Speaking of the wire, there's a wire reference in here, right? When when
1: Frankie goes off to Baltimore, he's got to be talking about to
0: the Baltimore Hospital. Yeah, no, there's so like uh, Seppenwall pulled this reference out. Um, There is a a Nathan Bodie Barksdale. That was the gave his name to two different uh, uh, characters in the in the Wire. Hmm. Um, that was a real life gangster in 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 the the eighties in Baltimore, and so that's that is that is a nod that okay, uh, you know he's going to end him, wind his way into <laughs> one of his old school <laughs> enforcers. Uh huh. Yeah. What kind he's of gonna, help does Frankie provide? He's a soldier man. Uh huh. He's a, he'll ice pick a guy. He'll shoot. It, he'll do whatever you need. Uh. For, uh, and he's incredibly loyal, so he'll probably, do, he'll probably do great until he doesn't out there in Baltimore. Yeah, uh, Is there anything we want to talk about just in general, or should we get down to the specifics of this final episode? I have, a, I have a big question for you. Yeah.
1: Huge, enormous question that needs an answer. Okay. Who the fuck is this guy in the shirt that Vincent insults? With the fucking uh, big buttons on his shirt,
0: and it, so I w- I to have time to do this, but I can't because uh. this is a double day with Mister Robot and The yeah, Deuce, I didn't have time and these either. are both crazy in-depth shows. Mm. But my theory is he's one of the guys that punched Vincent in the and the uh, premiere because he got him confused with okay Frankie, and this is just kind of a reference back to that. I assumed it was some long uh, forgotten reference from but the show, the, but, but that's not actually true it still works just as like uh you know this kind of sly because he doesn't he knows it's vincent but he's like do you want to take a bet and he's like i think you got me confused to frankie and mm-hmm. i don't plus it's just that that's a that was a really fun scene i thought that was a pretty slick and elegant bird <laughs> oh yeah the like captain steubing I mean, he, he, he and sets then, him up mm-hmm. perfectly yeah. just get two one the one the shit in and one to cover it up with. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a really <laughs> a really funny way to shine somebody on All right, time for housekeeping and guys and gals. I'm not going to lie. There's just too much good TV to keep up with right now. Too much for any one human to keep up with. Yet we valiantly try. If you want to keep up with any of these, just search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. We Do is our Watchmen podcast two weeks in. It's been a total delight. We're giving it the full treatment, instant live take and talk podcast for club members on Sunday night and a full podcast with recap and analysis each Tuesday. Pickle Me This is our Rick and Morty podcast, wrapping up a season three coverage It releases every Tuesday. This week, we're talking Morty's mind blowers with Ify Wadiwe from the Maximum Fun Network. He's a really fun interview. And we talked about whether we should stress about shifting dimensions. On our podcast, 2-Bit Encryption, we're covering the twisty and turny final season of Mr. Robot, the world's premier show about hacking, mental illness, and social alienation. Full podcast recaps every Wednesday. On American Horror Story Podcast, we are covering season 9, the 1984 season comes out every Friday morning. Don't look now, but this week is the Halloween episode almost guaranteeing a banger. Cecil and I are also doing our Cinema Spooktacular. It's our third annual. The first two episodes are out. The third episode will drop on Halloween Eve, Eve this 30th, this uh, this Wednesday. Cecily and Alexis of Pin Y fame will be covering his dark materials on Bald Move TV starting on Monday, November 4th. But you don't have to wait now. You can download their coverage that they began last week with a review of the 2007 Golden Compass movie. Finally, if you're in the mood for spooky stories to tell in the dark, check out our newest feature, Lunch with Jim and Aaron, Reheated. This is where we release our five-year-old club member-only lunch podcast for everyone to enjoy. This Thursday, we have the classic lunch where Jim and I turn off the studio lights and tell spooky stories from our childhood. Can your spine handle the tingle from the tail of the church on Joppa Road? Check out this week's reheated lunch and find out. Once again, if any of those sound good, just search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find them all on baldmove.com. Uh, okay, well, let's let's talk about the Deuce. Uh, first up is Eileen. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what the interview between Alan Seppenwall and David Simon is is uh, Alan Seppenwall thought uh, or wanted to ask the question of David Simon that what he thought of the James Franco allegations, um, which uh, you know there there's there's been some allegations of him using his position as a running a uh, some sort of film school. Uh, to get to take advantage of young women to get them to do things on camera that maybe they weren't comfortable with, hmm. uh, and I'm not going to add anything that David Simon is, is is says in that interview other than to link it in our show notes. Um, but there is some moments here that hints that like Simon and Pelicanos and crew have learned some lessons too, as as he says as much in the interview that. They thought they did everything right in season one. It turns out that some of the performers, notably like Emily Mead, uh, when they are doing like postseason interviews with them, express discomfort and and some problematic things like sex scenes being negotiated on set rather than through the agency that kind of like... <laughs> Sounds a lot like
1: stuff that made it into the story. And here. it kind
0: of horrified uh, both uh, David and George, like, shit, this yeah. is... We're making a movie... Uh, we're making a series highlighting this problem and we're doing it ourselves, which is why mm-hmm. um, I think the deuce... Um, it, it seemed like that a lot of people thought the Deuce Scott intimacy coordinators be caught to distance themselves from the out the Franco allegations. What it seems like that was an internal decision they already made that just was better in hindsight. Hmm. Um, but you see here that like Eileen is very considered about checking in with her performers to the extent that she's going to blow up the film if they want to yeah. walk away from it. You know mm-hmm. um, it's super ironic that she's, she ends up according to the obituary when she makes this film, it's not, it's not pornographic at all. She took, she took Harvey's advice and took all the sex scenes. She did. Yeah. It. Um, I don't know. That's things like, I I don't know the fine point of what they're trying to say there. No, it's tough too,
1: because I mean, Eileen, in my opinion, very much identifies as a porn director. Yeah. Like, like that argument she has with Harvey over, like he says, you know, finish this film, finish it. Yeah. And she's like, no, fuck you. I'm not going to take the porn out. I'm like, I'm a porn director. That's who I am, which is, I don't know, in light of what Lori did to herself at the end of uh, a couple episodes ago, you know, after she kind of realized that this was her identity and stuff, I I don't exactly know what they're getting at with Eileen, because I thought she was supposed to be sort of the, the success story that turns this into, you know, a, a quote-unquote respectable career. Uh-huh and kind of gets out of the porn scene but she doesn't they make that clear it's really complicated right she she does make this one thing Mm -hmm. that i think she would be very very proud of Mm -hmm. but also it seemed like her identity was still wrapped up as the porn director
0: yeah it's it's i think it's really complicated because even with her story where uh the porn directors out in california push her consent as we've seen them do so many times this season um the performance of these actors she's talking to is very much like when she's like, you know what, kids, uh, decide amongst yourself what you want to do. I'm going to be cool with it whatever way. It's like they look at each other like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Like if she'd screamed and yelled and be like, you better fucking whip your dick out. You better stick. Like they'd be like, you know, fuck you, lady. But now they're challenge. She's challenging them as actors. And it's something that Simon's talked about in the interview mm-hmm. is that like actors by nature are eager to please and kind of almost fetishized difficult emotionally hard work. And yeah, yeah. like a lot of times it's very easy to talk someone into doing something on set that they're not comfortable with because show must go on, right? You mm-hmm. you this is this use your sphere and uncertainty and doubt and f- have it fuel the scene would be great and amazing. And that's what we're seeing here. Yeah. Like this is a scene about a girl who is having her limits pushed to do something she's not comfortable with, have sex in public with this man. And Eileen's essentially telling the performers to use their unease, but their love and trust for each other to make that a dynamite performance mm-hmm. um obviously, no intimacy coordinators on this set Eileen broadly a protagonist for sure, but I think that's kind of what they're saying is that they're still best case scenario uh this is this is very problematic so hank uh <laughs> Hank blew in and out of this season like uh like a bald hurricane mm-hmm. uh what did you? what was your score as far as you know uh strikes balls fouls with uh, his conversation with eileen his negotiation over how their relationship can continue now that she's reentering the porn field as a performer i thought it was like two
1: to one eileen The, the the only thing hank said in that entire conversation was was something about um i can't remember exactly what it was like trust trust in him or like it, there there wasn't much it didn't seem like there was much give and take in that relationship, yeah, it felt like Eileen was doing exactly what she wanted to do all the time without uh-huh. regard for his uh you know his uh hang ups and shit uh-huh. and kind of expected him to just roll with it, yeah, which I get uh-huh. that that makes a certain amount of sense, but th- when he said something about like your uh, something about uh love and like how she is trying not to. To be loved, and using this as an excuse not to be loved, or something, and not yeah, to love herself,
0: doing a little bit of, and cycling. not to love him. It was right. like
1: there's something true in that, uh-huh. but
0: I don't, I don't think he won the argument with that. Obviously, well, he didn't. I also mind. thought the part where he went a little bit out of bounds is where he like said, "Why don't you just take the money to make your goddamn picture?" Yeah, which yeah. is going back to like she already clearly explained why she can't, and yes. she,
1: and that he should understand.
0: And but I also think that there's. There is a big difference between, oh, yeah, I've got this girlfriend. She's amazing. She's had a bit of a wild hat. She used to film porn versus, oh, yeah, it's my girlfriend. She's going to get railed by six dudes this weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, like, that says anything about Eileen and what th- who she is right. as a person. I'm just saying I can understand that's a big change that's 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 a that's a big change in the dynamic that you're you're pulling on somebody and i don't think it's it i don't think it's unfair to say i'm not comfortable with this i don't think it's unfair for eileen to be like well then i'm still going to do what i'm going to do because this is my career like mm-hmm. it's almost like uh there's this am i the asshole subreddit on reddit where you can you know, there's verdicts the the people have a verdict of like you know you're the asshole everyone sucks here i think this is a no assholes here situation i think so uh, like, I mean, like I said, he, he got a little heated, but then again, like, I think he cared about her and she cared about yeah. him and things tend to get heated when people are breaking up, even for very good reasons. Yeah. Um, like, look how heated things were with Abby and Vince, you know, and, and then a couple of weeks pass and everything, everybody's cool, but, uh it's just it's just it's unfortunate because she ends up doing she ends up prostituting her body for money to make this picture done the only thing difference is she doesn't give a shit about these producers whereas she yeah you know that's
1: important yeah it's an important distinction
0: it's a big difference a big difference and it's one i would have expected hank to understand a little bit more what did you think about i was trying to think what eileen was saying when hank was trying to probe is this money or pride and she says, What's wrong with pride? And he says, Well, pride ruins everything. And she goes, If you go long enough without pride, you'll find a way to use whatever you get. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that. I don't know what that means. I literally don't know what that means. I had this germ of an idea that she was talking about like, if you don't have pride. Uh, and if you ever manage to scrape together some you can monetize that like you're tempted to monetize it um, Or you're tempted to like trade it or give it away or something, but it, it, it I don't know I it's one of those things where it's a little enigmatic. I feel like I know what she meant, but I can't really It's like, uh, one I of feel those like he's German taking... words. It's untranslatable, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> I, I think maybe the translation here is that he is taking for granted the pride that he has because he's always had that pride, and if, ah. and if he were in her position where she had no pride right. whatsoever in herself, right. and now she's got a little bit of that, she would be grasping it. He would be grasping it that much more firmly than than he thinks she
0: should. It's easy for him to say it's what's what's wrong with pride and this position of invincibility with his right. social where he's and he's economics. on the way
1: up, like he's
0: got all the all the fucking future ahead of him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we do find out, and I was we do find out when she goes out to California. I was kind of surprised that because I thought that them negotiating this scene was them like being savvy negotiators. I was honestly surprised to see her fold so easily. I don't know whether it's just like you know what, fuck it, it's just fucking. I want to make sure I got a condom on for an anal, and then I just want to get. I I don't want to fight. I then I don't want them to fuck me over on the money. So like whatever, but I thought she might. You know, because they've got as much, I mean, she does have some power and that there's this set and there's this money. There's like, you know, it's the, it's, it's that they're losing money. If she's not filming and she'd just be like, Hey, you said no anal and you said no this and no that. And now you've got me doing this and a DP and a gangbang. bang. What the fuck? I'm going to do half of this shit. And if they're not happy about it, they've. it sounds like they've already paid their money. Oh no, no. She got an advance. So yeah. she'd still be out the money. I don't know. It's, Yeah. It feels to me like they were all
1: setting this up. Um, you know, they're clearly playing with the movie she's making and the movie she's in. Yeah. Um, and you know, the actress that she's directing and the actress that she is, Uh I think they're, they're, they're trying to show that
0: this is not the world for her anymore, I think. Well, maybe, too, that she's saying, like, hey, well, maybe if you're young and your head's full of fuzz, you'll fall for this. But, like, the idea that even a seasoned and respected performer as, yeah. as Eileen slash Candy is still is just as vulnerable as Lori, who was also an in industry, which is just as vulnerable as some person from the Midwest just come off the porn boat. Like, um, I was just surprised. I thought she would she would fight back a little bit more. But maybe it's like, what's the point? Um, then there's this scene where she tries to critique the photographer who she knows more about photography and filmmaking than he does. And he just blows her off because she's a porn star. Why should he give a shit about what she thinks? Right. Um, she's super broke and out of money and still has 16 scenes left plus pickups. And Harvey has, has, there's a scene where he watches the film. He falls in love with it and he pulls her out of a porn shoot to say, look, it's a beautiful speech. Like, I went to f- film school. I got the degree. I know what a camera can do. I know what a great story is. But turns out I can't do shit with a camera, and I don't have a story. But what mm-hmm. you're doing, it, it matters. And I love the scene because it's it's not quite Bunk and McNulty uh, solving a case. But the the fucks per word count here is just, like, <laughs> off the charts. Jesus, I didn't even notice it. Oh, it's like... I'm a broken human being. I didn't <laughs> notice it at all. <laughs> it's... Uh... It's 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 really good. Now the thing is, is like this is this is where we end it. Like we don't know how Eileen we I, we didn't follow her and like how she found the non pornographic version of this story to tell. We didn't know like what the actors thought about after filming that stuff. Not yeah. Um, I, I it's 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 one of those things where they leave a character on a trajectory with some velocity, and we're not surprised to read the obituary later. But, but I but do I wish am surprised there was a little at, more. I am surprised at what is in the obituary. Like, the
1: the fact that she did finish this film without the porn in it, uh, without the fucking, is sort of crazy to me. Because, like, I look at this scene where her and Harvey argue, and she seems to have pigeonholed herself as this pornographer. Uh-huh. Um, she very much states that's what I am. She won't finish the movie. I, I get the sense that, like, she's she's somehow ashamed to be too good for porn because that's her identity for so long. Right. And like, she feels like she'd be almost betraying herself by saying, yeah, I can no longer make porn because I'm too good for it.
0: It's like, she, she shit. She's pissing on her own legacy by, by turning her back on it.
1: Right. But then she does, she does publish that film, uh, With no pornography in it. But
0: then part of the obituary is like she also continued with her adult career too. So it's like, yeah. Maybe that's her way of saying, like, well, I want to, I want this message is important and I want it to get in front of as many people as possible and not just the people into porn, but like, you know, everyone needs to hear this. And the the ironic thing is, of course, it's an our house film and nobody cares. An our house film without fucking. Go uh, figure. (laughs) yeah go figure no so nobody nobody watches and it's also a little commentary on i think uh, david simon
1: because he's consistently
0: banging out this stuff that everyone is just critically jizzing over and Mm -hmm. it's amazing it's off the charts of some of the best characters and dialogue and plotting you'll ever see and half a million people are watching it yeah you know uh 100, 150 million people around the globe <laughs> watch whatever the fuck game of thrones turned into but like a half a million people can't be bothered to watch something that's incredibly educating if if you give it a chance yeah the wire window no, wins no awards is that right no emmys no emmys for yeah, writing no or emmys d- whatsoever for d- or acting or direction i think it got like some kind of costuming or set designing award yeah. um but uh yeah uh that's how we finish up with the uh, eileen I wish we got a little bit more uh, an hour and twenty minute episode. Um, but I think they said, because there's the this part of the other interview they said in Simon that like there they cut this down to like individual lines of dialogue because they didn't really want to be over the time, but they had to, to, to get some things done. So they got done exactly what they wanted to do with uh, Eileen here. Hmm. Uh, Reg and Melissa, I thought this was a really sweet scene. Um, yeah. And this is based on a true story, I guess, that uh, uh, there was a former lesbian porn star that married a gay man to help him kind of manage his affairs, and it kind of helped out it both. And honestly, it seems like a smart strategy. Uh, if if uh, I wonder how much of that happened, like, you know, so... Uh, gay men like leaning on friends and family to kind of entrust their estate to, to take care of their, or, you know, since they can't like marry, I, mm-hmm. I, I wonder, I wonder, but I thought it was really sweet. Yeah. Um, and I love their wedding ceremony. Uh, the, I thought is really poignant. The, um, the vows when he says, I'll be the rock. All, I'll be a rock all the days of my life, which are very, very short. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just how, you know, because they got married in the courtyard outside their apartments, which they talk about what a shithole it is. But then you see how much elbow grew she's put into it. She's spruced yeah, it up. There's that. flowers and lights, and there's all these people. You imagine there's like people from the filmmaking industry. Maybe they helped out with a little bit of that. And mm-hmm. you find out Melissa's going to get more work. Uh, I looked it up. Uh, Robert Redford and Deborah Winger star in the 1986 movie Legal Eagles, a romantic comedy that's the, the last week was crocodile Dundee this mm. week. It's Melissa getting, getting another leg up with the uh, legal Eagles. And there's just a look between Melissa and Reg, like when they're in the middle of this party and Reg is having a good day and they both look amazing and all their friends are there dancing and laughing where they have this last private look of joy. And that's where we leave their character. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we say about Gene? Cause Gene is a character that I don't fucking mm. understand. And they make it a point of like what a rat fucker he is. And then they give him the scene where he tries to kind of convince Paul that he's not. And Paul's just not having it. Yeah. And I'm not either. Like Gene. Like like I know you. you <sighs> Gene's an unintentional
1: bad guy, I think. Like yeah. He, he got into this thinking he was doing something good. Uh-huh. Um, and then he got in too deep and he kind of turned a corner and became a bad guy. He's working against the the interest that he should hold. <laughs> like he's shutting down all of these these bathhouses. Right. Um when he himself is a patron of them. He's he's very know, he's hypocritical. He's uh he's too eager to please the
0: See, I, 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 like all these things point to like a self-hating gay man which i yeah. never thought of him as like i thought of he was always pretty matter-of-fact like hey this is who i am but also being a father is also a part I, of being who i am think he's a th-
1: self-hating politician more than a self-hating gay man
0: <sighs> but like I wonder if like when he's talking about cleaning up New York, he's also talking about cleaning up himself. If he's talking about like, well, if he's thinking, Oh man, if I was a young man and there weren't all these bathhouses that led me down to Tentate I don't, I don't know. Cause I know there are, yeah. you know, closeted gay men that think that way. And have tried like the gay conversion therapies and the different, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I, I, I don't have a good beat on him because I don't understand how he can make a nakedly political decision. Uh, that's not based on any kind of like, you know, rational thought or, you know, uh late information or like I, I just I don't I don't get it. And then how he thinks he can explain it to Paul. I guess that was the one that's like, you know, live your life take your shots but also don't like why would he expect paul to understand or agree when he's essentially ruined paul and his community yeah he shouldn't especially since like maybe if there's things that the mayor could have done with accurate information or funding or stuff in the or beginnings of the aids crisis but now that it's like just completely gone into ravaging new york i i don't know gene is a fucking yeah. enigma yeah it's and a weird. He's, dude. you know
1: providing the cover for the mayor to do this shit like it's 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 pretty fucked up, and I, I think the maybe more understandable thing is when he's talking with Chris. Um, you you start to get this idea that he is very much interested in advancing his career. Yeah. Uh, what he can get from that side of the the field, like he, because when he's talking with Chris, he's saying like, oh, we're gonna make you a captain. We can do that right. for you. I can do whatever you want for you. I can give you this. And, it, and Chris and Chris is like, man, you did nothing. You yeah. did nothing. You pushed this into another area of New York, like, why aren't you concerned about that? Yeah, but why isn't chris why wasn't Chris more concerned about that? The, 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 here's the problem I have, I guess, with this whole thing, and maybe it's just confusion on my part because I don't understand what they're getting at. But Chris and Gene have always seemed to be in cahoots. And so for Chris to come back at the end of this and say, "You did nothing. You just pushed it into a different part of the city." Uh, you changed absolutely nothing. Why? Why is that poignant? Why is that? Uh... I think Chris
0: was naive and he thought Gene's pitch that you put you you fight crime with concrete and cranes. Right. That like. To a beat cop, that must make sense. Like, OK, you get some money, you get the people with money invested into solving these problems and then the problems will get solved. He didn't see it as even though he was part of the ones perpetrating it, he didn't see that like what was gonna happen was all that money was going to flow in one direction and it was going to gut these neighborhoods and then take these other neighborhoods and now fill them full of poverty and crime and drugs. It seems use. such
1: a natural conclusion though. I don't I don't know why he couldn't see that
0: and I mean it clearly I mean, he but sees it thing at the is, end I, if I, but, you, like if I was 27 year old patrol uh, officer like being you know the tap to be a detective and, but is and he? I'm, I thought he was I'm a lot swimming. older than that huh? I thought he was a lot older than that a lot more experienced Uh, I mean he was a de- so he's probably a detective in his 30s I'm trying to think about how far back I'd have to go before I didn't have my head fully up my ass about how like the world worked but like uh, and it's probably yeah. harder to figure out back then when there wasn't as much in, uh, information and And kind of like, you know, history to kind of look back on. But Mm -hmm. I can see that, yeah, you think it's like, you know, it's like the whole, like, we're just in the last 10, 15 years kind of like getting through mainstream American consciousness that like there are downsides of gentrification, Mm -hmm. let alone the kind of aggressive gentrification, planned gentrification that you're seeing here in, in, in Manhattan. So it's like, I guess... He thought that like that money would flow both ways and there would be the programs and there'd be the stuff that would help the people and that. But there was never any
1: talk of that. I don't, I don't understand how Yeah. you come out of conversations with Gene thinking, yeah, no, oh, right. he's got a plan to, to help all these people.
0: Yeah. He thought the crime would evaporate rather than, you know. Just, yeah. Where just does it move. go? Even water that evaporates goes somewhere. Yeah, it's not right. like it disappears off the face of the earth. You're right. It's a, it's a law of nature. Yeah. Um,
1: So, I I don't know. Chris struck me as a little naive up until the moment where he needed to not be naive to make this point to the audience and to Gene. Yeah.
0: But I I thought the final suggestion he makes to you know close the part the the parlors because it was just at that point that's you know it's clear that the parlors weren't a public health problem but they're using the politics and optics of it to both shield the governor, the mayor from being seen as an as as Mm anti-gay and also you know snap up the rest of mid Mid mid-manhattan in one fell swoop it's like a politically it's a fucking little finger strategy right out of game of thrones yeah great Um, strategy uh not great for the people that it's gonna affect no and it could I, that's the thing it's like it could be if you're taking a dollar and generating a thousand mm-hmm. that's a lot of money that you could spread around to help people yeah it's just not happening although i look at the stuff that is going on
1: with bobby in this episode and i go maybe that parlor needed to be shut down
0: <laughs> he's fucking buying sex slaves <laughs> oh, in this. D- okay let's like, move on I- to b- bobby because <laughs> bobby shit I mean, this this is the critiques of uh, what we do in capitalism are so fucking sharp here because Bobby's gone from being a union man Mm -hmm. to being a union buster to bringing in scabs. He's also like, you know, like as a union man, I'm sure he hated like illegal immigration. Mm. And yet this is literally they're not even immigrants. They're sex slaves being brought in here, trafficked illegally. And he's like you know, licking his chops and rubbing his fingers together about how he can keep his profit margins down. Oh, fuck, I don't have to pay these girls? Yeah. And they can't run off because you've got your passports and they're essentially, like, owned by you? Holy fuck. And then, like, I... I, And then as soon as he goes south, he goes, I'll go go back to the union. Yeah, I'll go back. I'll see if I can (laughs) go get my union job back. And without any kind of trace of hypocrisy or irony. And that... Like, you know, it's like also it's like I wonder what Bo- I wonder what Bobby's voting records like it's it's, you know, it's like it's this myopia that like uh, if you're, you know, like oh, unions are bad, but like my unions, the good one, it's the exception. It like looks after its people and mm-hmm. it's this it's this thing where. Uh, there's, there's a lot of statistics that, like Americans, even on um, like Social Security and Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, tend to look down on other people because they think, they're, they're, oh, we're the ones that need it; everyone else is taking advantage. Right? It's this insane way to look at the world, but it is an accurate way that people. It's an accurate depiction of how people people do do look at it. Yeah. Was um, also- his, his reaction to get to his kid getting arrested? Is yeah, it's. It's a lesson. He needs to learn that lesson. Yeah, he needs to do. He needs to 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 go away to and Uh, and figure himself out. But I thought that was funny. That like, uh, you know, his discussion with Doctor Francis about the the short stock and you mm -hmm. know uh, being excited. Like, why aren't you getting on this gravy train? Smash cut to Joey and his friends getting busted for insider (laughs) trading. Uh, Joey, what a dumb fuck! Uh, Like, they both have
1: the same initial reaction to it too. It's like. mm -hmm. Uh, you know, when Bobby first hears about shorting, he's like, "That's un-American." Right. Of course, he has no real principles, and so as soon as the money, he sees a glint of money, he's on top of it. Yep. And then, but Black
0: Frankie is like seems to be a principled man and he's like yeah "Yeah, if i was a gambler i wouldn't bet to lose exactly (laughs) exactly where's the fucking fun and honor in that but i just thought like joey like is running his fucking mouth and you know saying all this incriminating shit oh god as he's being arrested yeah he's so fucking stupid um so bobby's parlor gets shut down and uh We uh, it's funny. I I thought there's a really good scene with him and Leon, which I'm glad they got that in there, too, where Mm -hmm. he asked Leon where all your regulars go. And he's like, it's like my mom said or my grandma said they walked into the arms of time, Mm -hmm. which is a a kind of poetic depiction of what we see later in this episode. Yeah, Uh, we already talked about uh, Dr. Frank going to go off to Baltimore um and we'll see him or his uh relations in the wire in a few years hmm. now we got the biggest block of the episode vince abby paul and Loretta, and paul and Loretta are in here because they're essentially all connected to vince and abby uh vince checks up on mike and he's like super dead yeah shocking how long has it been since you checked on mike well it seemed like he had like a once a month thing is what the kind of verbal agreement was <sighs> Must have died right after he left last time. <laughs> I don't I mean what time of year is this too? Because it looked cold. Was it cold? I thought so. Huh. I mean, he was cutting firewood before But there's uh, flies.
1: Yeah, he was yeah, cutting firewood. And then right. Vince is wearing a big jacket. I'd Yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty cold. It's probably not dead of winter, but
0: Okay. Yeah. Fall. Um, but as a sh- kind of a shocking way to find the to to say goodbye to Mike. Um there so so vince wants to work out a deal with tommy to get abby and paul out from underneath all the goomba shit Mm -hmm. um and there is a really sweet scene of like vince and abby talking about you know that she's like because it's i I thought that maybe vince was trying to angle to get back with her and she i think thinks maybe and and says you know we had to break up right and he's like yeah but i mean we had, we had something, and they acknowledged that.
1: Yeah, it's his second broken teacup relationship. Like, yep. they, they've been through so much shit as mm-hmm. a couple. At this point, it's harder to put it back together than just to move on.
0: And they were very different, but they, in this phase of their life, kind of suited each other pretty hand in glove from and from season one to here. So I, I thought that was that was pretty nice. It's kind of it, contrast... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was
1: going to say, it's a good scene in context of what they, they explain about the... the person the real person that Vincent is um, th- because they say like they could tell through the interviews and stuff that this was the love of his life and, yeah. like the way he
0: spoke about Abby sure uh, so I felt like this was a necessary scene to convey that do you think that Vince is the like because I, I, I buy that about Vince I don't know that Vince is the love of Abby's life yeah maybe not I mean she's but... super important to her I'm certain but mm-hmm. like uh, uh, but uh, there's contrast this with Loretta Mm-hmm. who lets Juan down easy because he wants to propose to her because she's amazing and she's like I just don't need or want a full-time man mm-hmm. I like the physical part I like uh you know the way we get together and how easy it is but I just I think that uh, she's just really afraid to get in a situation a permanent situation like that with another guy yeah that's,
1: that's certainly part of it
0: um, the biggest part what do you think about Tommy Longo? Because Tommy Longo, he's he says Ugh. he's got his eye in the future. He bets on the right guys. Uh, he's obviously a ghost by the time a 2019 rolls around, because uh, we see him in 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 the Vince's ghost vision or go, his ghost role. But like I, uh. see, this guy seemed like erratic. He seemed like he was maybe on a little bit of the nose powder himself. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, Tommy's always seemed like a a guy who could you know
0: hug you or kill you. He also doesn't seem like the guy's gonna inspire confidence and loyalty to mm. his crew. So he's got a guy like Vince, a good earner, and the only thing he can do is extract one last fucking uh retirement tax out of him at t- to the tune of two hundred thousand dollars. Holy shit.
1: Yeah, it's a big tax.
0: I wonder because I as as he was doing the math, I'm like, I wonder if Vince has got more or less than that sucked away stock sacked away. Because it seemed like it really it really hurt. It really hurt uh, Vince to let it go, but... Yeah, and he's able to negotiate Paul out of he got the... got Paul out of too Out of the life, too, which right. is nice. Tommy's such an asshole. Like, comparing him oh, to Rudy man. is, like, fucking night and day. Like, he's making fun of Paul and his diminished business prospects, and... Mm-hmm. um But then we see Abby gives of the bar. Paul tells Abby the good news, or I guess Paul already knows it, and we find out from that conversation that she's going back to law school. Um, Paul's got a limp,
1: Yeah, I didn't know if that was something I missed from previous episodes or if this was new.
0: I wonder because I was thinking uh, because I just assumed his arc was going to be he miraculously didn't catch AIDS, Mm -hmm. you know, and he was going to become like a prominent member of the community. Um, And I I took him walking the cane is like he got a really bad like maybe that police beating he took was a little bit worse than we thought. Mm hmm. But then I read online that people were kind of drawing a line, a connection between him and Reg, who were both using uh, uh, canes, and that, like, hmm. you know, uh, that he's, you know, it, it I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I know he's dead by the time he's 2019. He's not dead at the end of 1986. He's uh, committed to still being active and demonstrating and protesting and trying to change things. But um, there's a big mystery. Like when he walks out, into the night there's there's also um so someone also mentioned the fact that he's like smoking like unfiltered menthol mentholated cigarettes is like maybe and i, I, I like that he doesn't care about his health anymore but i'm like i don't know how <laughs> one cigarette is I, I know people that smoke unfiltered mentholated they're you know chuckleheads but like i don't think they're like actively courting death or <laughs> right. think that they're being reckless with their lives i, I, I don't know but yeah but him walking out into the, the night and closing his bar down is kind of what uh uh triggers the uh 2019 New York City scene. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, what did you so like they they pan over to TV and they're talking about like the issues of our day, like global warming. Uh but then they're also there's there's a couple bars, a Game of Thrones theme song. Yeah. yeah. And then the the porn on demand. Mm-hmm. This thing that like was was like illegal in the 1970s and is ra- like you had to go to like a rain gutter district of town is now being served not just like the nice Skinamax porn but like Filthy Anal Angels 4 or whatever the fuck it was. Right. The 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 vilest of the porn you can get at this fancy five-star hotel in Manhattan now.
1: Yeah, to me that that was emblematic of you know, the, the redevelopment that happened, right? It wasn't just a redevelopment of the real estate of Times Square. It was a redevelopment of the porn industry. Yeah. Putting the money into the pockets that it belongs in, Yeah, according to society, as opposed to the ones it doesn't. Yeah.
0: Porn completely conquered its its given landscape. Yeah. Like, if there was a war on it, it, it decisively won that war. It's now as ubiquitous as, like, uh, water or electricity. mm mm-hmm. Uh, But of course, yeah, but the people, and that's the thing, like the, the, the people,
1: there's still so much exploitation in it. There's still so much, uh, so much of the money moves up. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like, you know, the, all these women who turned from prostitute to porn actress were, were suddenly lifted up with that tide, right? Mm -hmm. It was more like. Uh, you're all going to stay down there, just like the real estate development. You're all going to get pushed to the sidelines, and we're going to move in and we're going to mm-hmm. take the money uh, from this industry that is very lucrative. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna package it up. We're gonna stick it on hotel TVs in this newly gentrified Times Square, and and all of the all of this the hard work you did to make this thing like to fight against all of the shit we were throwing at you for it. Mm-hmm. You made it through, and now we're just going to take it over because there's a buck to be made
0: yeah um it's 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 a it's it's a hell of a it's a hell of a statement it uh, is that, that's how i read it anyway and i no, could be no. totally wrong no i think i think you're right um and, and it discussed vincent right vincent yeah looks at these titles and he just shuts the fucking tv off yeah yeah
1: Because that's Uh, that's his fucking
0: home. He lived through that. And he goes downstairs, and instead of finding a nice bar where you can get a regular, can get an honest pour, he sees this like gleaming (laughs) corporate hotel bar that, like, regularly, you know, you can get exactly an ounce out of these bottles. No more. Yeah, so inhuman, right? Yeah, there's like, you know and instead of the bar being crowded and full of life it's very sterile it's just a dude that's like reading his box scores and and uh vincent but that's where we find out about eileen's uh obituary and that her her uh her first honest film a pawn in their game is is a critical hit and it's uh canonized in the criterion collection right remastered uh, pretty pretty nice um then he walks outside and Blondie's cover of the sidewalks of New York starts. And this is where it just like it kills me every fucking time going down, seeing Leon, uh, Rodney and Shay, Rudy and Tommy, uh, Ashley with uh, Lute- I think the, the, then Lieutenant Haddock's and Chris's old partner shaking him down. Hmm. Paul and Todd at their like, you know, late 70s peak. Yeah. Uh, Cece and Lori, which was the you know, that was one of the painful memories you could tell. Uh just the way Lori's kind of like looking at him. Uh Bobby being like in you know an oblivious asshole. Mm-hmm. Um Joe, you know, finding out that like the reason Vince is there is because Joey's getting married for the third time, but he's also on trial for insider trading again. Um uh, oh, was, see-
1: was it Joey? Wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I for some reason I was thinking Frankie's kid. Oh, I was like, like father, like son, like with all these different
0: marriages. No, I think the way Bobby's talking, he could okay. be because no, that's that the one sense. thing I wish I l- I heard because last time we heard about Vincent's kids, like one of them was getting into stripping and porn herself, and I don't know right, what happened right. to the oldest one, but it would have been if interesting they mentioned the insider
1: trading that's got to be Joey.
0: Yeah, it'd have been interesting to see if if they had. Uh, um if they'd get and get us in some in, insight into the next generation. Yeah. Um, but then we saw Big Mike, uh, Thunder Thighs and Candy. Uh, and then, you know, another bad memory, Pasquale. But then he looks behind them and there's Frankie. And I can't describe this anymore. I'm just going to get fucking choked up. This is just <laughs> a f- this is just five minutes of yeah. like nostalgia for the fans of the show. that has been on this 30 hour trip with them. Yeah. And nice uh, little reward absolutely worked on me. Uh, and then, so did you get this? Because if you weren't looking at the end, Abby walks through, like after 15 oh, yeah. minutes, Abby walks through the crosswalk. And she seems like maybe a high-powered lawyer or something. The real um, question is, did she sell out or is she is she a high-powered lawyer for good or is she selling out and just making people money?
1: Uh, I think the former. How? Why do if, you say if that? If I know Abby, I think... You know, she she realized that she was doing no good sitting there in in the deuce trying to make change from her fucking bar, mm-hmm. and so she went and she found another bar, uh, and she posted up there, and now she's actually trying to make change.
0: I would like to believe that, but also like Abby's the the boomer generation, uh, th- th- you know, th- they were infamous for turning from hippie to corporate. That's true. Button down shill. So like. I hope she made it to that. I hope she made it to where she's actually doing good and still moving and shaking and, and fighting for people's rights and fighting for what's uh, fair. But like the way the world is, that would be rare if she, she went back to school and was able to, to, to do that. But yeah, that, that I think would be she great. was rare.
1: I, I, I think Abby was yes, certainly among the people in the deuce a rarity.
0: I think you're, I think you've mostly talked me into it. There's a lot of good takes uh, I saw in the Deuce's subreddit where people are like the, the the Abby, you know, I guess a lot of people had problems her because I never I didn't follow the subreddit too closely on this um, just because I felt like I had a, you know, uh, this this show, did, you don't need a lot of handholding. And that was yeah. not a huge, well trafficked uh, group. But there's a lot of people making comments about like Abby being this rich girl who is does like the slum in manhattan um but then you know when she gets in her 30s it's like oh it's time to grow up and get a real job and get kind of co-opted co that way uh because like that's the thing like she never at any time she could have been like fuck this i'm moving i'm i'm gonna go get handouts from my dad or i'm gonna move out mm-hmm. and she never did so like i guess i want to believe i want to believe that abby abby st- st- stayed true to her principles even though almost no one does by the time they die. <laughs> yeah,
1: I want to believe that too.
0: Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Because we've got just a few pieces of feedback. Um, no, I'd like seeing
1: one last uh, shot of old Franco and young Franco.
0: So uh, good. They, they
1: they do that seamlessly his and they put laugh them in the same the, scene oh, together.
0: Oh, you look like shit. Uh, and, and
1: just the technical aspect of it. Yeah. Like how how do you get James Franco with his arm around James Franco? It it fascinates me. Did and They, we they talk, nail
0: it. Do we talk about the scene in the birthday where he smears cake on the other uh-huh. face? Like, yeah, I just I don't know how they do that shit. It's it's amazing job of special effects. Uh, and then I don't know. Like I said, that it's it's an open question when they pan over and you just see like what a thing time. I mean, I've been to New York or I've been to Times Square and what like just big fucking shrine to advertising and yeah. money and capital. It is. And how fucking crazy expensive it is. And I hated it. I hate it too. Um, There was nothing for me there. But I think I would have hated the old Deuce. Uh, Yeah. So so
1: it's like... I, I, I wouldn't have gone to the old Deuce just as readily as I wouldn't go to
0: the new Deuce. I don't think the new New York... Versus old New York, it's it's not it's it's not so much a tragedy of what it's became. It's more of like what a squandered opportunity. Like how much money. Like you look at that and you look at Silicon Valley and like San Francisco and some of these other places that have just exploded and and so many people making money. But like yeah, they're. I don't know, and you look at
1: the homelessness on the San Francisco streets, and it's like,
0: yeah, I just feel like when we look back to like the '90s and the the 2000s, we're going to just realize what a huge missed opportunity we had to like make the world a better place, and instead, we let a lot of people, and not just America, but all around the world, just pile up fucking sums of money, and for what? Mm -hmm. And I think,
1: you know, I'm glad this is set in uh, Times Square because I don't think there's a more stark contrast between what something was and what it became yeah uh I, I honestly can't think of a single location in america that's more like that mm-hmm. so yeah they picked a perfect location for this
0: uh let's get the feedback okay and then we'll say goodbye to the, the, the deuce uh steve from connecticut uh well actually it has no actual feedback for us i'm just stupefied slash horrified The aaron and maybe jim hasn't seen treme i have not it's no. my number three show of all time behind the wire and breaking bad with brilliant interwoven characters and stories, great music—it's amazing. Doesn't it not get an
1: ending? No, did it, it did. Did they finish that show? Yeah, they've let okay. they've
0: let David Simon finish everything that he started on HBO <laughs> to their great credit. Um, and this is a show that was infamous for nobody watching it, yeah. and yet everyone critically acclaiming it. And I was not a da- I was not a David Simon fan when I fir- when that thing first came out. I started, oh, this was This is weird guy uh, show about kind of hurricane Katrina and law and new Orleans from the guy who made the wire but I hadn't got around to watching the wire yet so like it was it's now that I've gotten Deadwood out of the way I think it's my a1 (laughs) show that I need to catch up on yeah uh because I I'll, I'll have to love it right I'll have to love it Uh, Moving on to Edward. It's been a great run, and I'm actually sad to see it go, but it had to go. Time is undefeated, just as Vince uh, alluded to Frankie. Some quick thoughts. Does your headcanon tell you that Darlene made it as a nurse and that Larry made it as an actor? Why didn't we see Larry this season? Uh, It's interesting that, Hmm. like, Yes, David Simon has thought about these questions, and he mentioned explicitly that they wrote a scene for Larry to be in the background of the soap opera that Todd was working on. <laughs> okay. And that the guy that plays Larry has um, is, is got a successful run on Broadway right now with uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, I think, mm. and that their, their shooting schedules just didn't line up and he couldn't get over to the set. But like in 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 uh, George and uh, David's mind that, yes, he was able to turn that corner too. Because he's cra- charismatic as all hell. The oh, camera yeah. loved him. Mm-hmm. Just just put that thing back in your pants and and <laughs> right. do a couple straight films and, and work your way up. Probably did a lot of gangsters. Probably did a lot of pimps. Mm-hmm. But he worked his way to respectable film. And uh, uh, as Darlene, I, he, I don't, he didn't mention in the interview. But I mean, Darlene seems like the type that. is gonna find the way to make that work yeah yeah i think i'm with you i don't know that uh that particular path
1: worked out for her but i do feel like something would work out for her
0: i mean she you don't get to go through like you don't get to to make that change in life with that support and like people in your corner and i feel like that she must have had good people around her and you know uh i I think she worked it out that's my headcanon anyway um since Vince didn't see Abby, and it seemed like she was 2019 Abby, I assume that she's for real alive. As is anyone we might not have seen. Larry is still alive and still acting. Darlene's alive. Detective Alston's alive. Harvey's still alive. But Vince didn't interact with him. Is there anyone else I missed? That's something else that Simon said. That, yeah, if you saw people that, or if you saw people that meant they're dead, and if you didn't see them, it meant they were alive. Uh, But there are edge cases where, like, I don't know that, like, Vince and Harvey were on, like, first name basis. Yeah. Um, I know they're aware, and I think they met each other a couple times, but I I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's any other big big, uh, omissions or things that I thought were people that I were surprised not to see. But I can't really think of anybody. No. Um, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the finale. I personally loved the last long walk we took in 2019, New York City by Vince. I told my wife that I felt so odd and eerie, but damn it, did that scene get to me? I almost can't believe how this show got me so emotional. Relatable content, brother. (laughs) The Mike death scene was so sad. When I saw him on the street, I couldn't help but feel that Vince and Mike bond. When I saw how defeated Laurie looked on the street, it affected me. When I saw Paul, the late 70s Paul with his boyfriend, when he was the most happy, was devastated. I had honest tears. I don't cry so much watching movies, but this scene did it for me. I'm happy we didn't see Paul wither away. And to see Frankie, it made me think of my own mortality and my own brother's. They're all still alive, but we're getting older. There's four of us, and one of my brother lives a wild and crazy life. Hmm. Uh, You got a Frankie in the family, huh? He's speaking, he's talking (laughs) crime, motorcycles, hard jobs, hard and fast life. To see these twins reunited, it actually stung. The final walk was also crushing since we've seen Simon and Pelicanos talk about the real Vince. This is his walk through New York City, right? This was as close to the real Vince as we're going to get. An old man in his 70s walking around the bright lights of a New York with his past haunting him. Uh, with the passers by mm-hmm.
1: uh
0: that fantastic look of mortality, love, and loss hit me in just the right or wrong time as I had also recently lost my father in law at seventy two I hope the ending worked for others like it did me uh it certainly worked for me for a lot of the same reasons you know like i 'm in the middle of my life and i 've been thinking about mortality a lot, and you know I have a brother who 's still alive, but we don 't speak and uh i i that kind of all hit me and yeah plus i just i just love this show and i love the characters yeah so ain't nothing wrong uh, with caring about uh the 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 people and and things in your life so good good on you for being a a living human being edward (laughs) uh that's all we got uh bald move tv is still got plenty more to come uh we've got some we're going to try to maybe get in some short takes for some stuff uh we're in a very busy season now but we're still got some tv that we want to touch on also cecily is leading up a podcast with jim's fiance alexis uh they are doing a podcast on his dark materials right here on bald move tv they're going to be covering the show episode by episode and that starts uh next week next week yeah they, did, uh, they, they, they just posted a, a kind of a series preview by way of the old 2007 uh, Golden Compass movie uh, to kind of get the, the everybody prepped for it. So please stick on for that. And Jim and I will probably be back later in November to talk a little Mandalorian, too. Mm. So, and then who knows what other bonus stuff. Also, you heard it in the housekeeping, but we are loaded right now. Mr. Robot uh we just finished off up the deuce Watchmen is just getting started on hbo uh tons rick, and rick tons and of stuff rick and morty next week, yeah we've 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 done all of our homework we've just covered all three seasons of rick and morty uh rick and morty season four starts in mid-november it's going to be a busy time throughout the christmas uh we're so glad that you came along with us uh sorry to see the deuce go i'm really excited to see what else uh you know Pelicanos and Simon come up with next because Mm -hmm. I've loved everything they've put out so far. Uh, All right, that's all I got. Uh, Until the next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.